All righty. Well, we are back on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Got a handful of announcements that we want to put out there first uh, before mm-hmm. we get into the show. So starting off, uh, first things first, uh, one week from this Saturday is going to be Mill Street Day. Jake and I are going to be at Plymouth on Mill Street. Uh, it's a really fun thing. It's just the whole street is filled up with tents of vendors and stuff. And Jake and I are going to be among them. Uh, we're going to have fan locks to sell that match the team colors for all of the Wisconsin sports teams. Um, Wisco Ball is going to be there, the guy that makes our shirts, and he makes the Yelly shirts, which are fun to wear right now because Christian Yelich is playing really well. Uh, yeah. Mental Health America is also going to be there, and we are going to be right next to them, actually. So come yeah. see us at Mill Street Day, July 8th. That is a week from Saturday. Starts at 9 a.m., goes to 4 p.m. Next. We also have a venue for our live Badgers football primer for this season. Um, we're doing that show all on its own. That's going to be August 25th at Isaac Sports Bar and Grill in New Holstein. We actually just met with him on Saturday. Uh, met with him. Uh, Isaac's cool, and the the bar actually has, honestly, really good food. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very affordable as well. So definitely looking forward to going back there, actually. Um, I got a steak sandwich. It was like this thick and it was like seven twenty-five. Yeah. And the back patio area where we're going to be, we're going to be live from the back patio area. That's a nice open area. Um, easy access to go back in, get, get you as many beers as you need to, uh, listen to us talk about Badgers football. Hopefully not that many, but yeah, great cheese curds. There's going to be beer. There's going to be, uh, we have a lot of cool stuff planned. So you're going to want to, want to come out, bring your friends, bring your family and come join us. Have, have some fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good food. Good. It's going to be a lot of information, but we also want to make sure that it's entertaining. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll find a good way to balance that. And Mike's going to be doing that show with us. So we get three yes, voices sir. on that day. Um, yes, and that's going to be Friday night, August 25th, 8 o'clock, Isaac Sports Bar in the Holstein. We are also planning a live Packers show sometime in August. We're looking at August 17th. We don't have the venue for that locked in yet, mm-hmm. but uh, looking at doing a live show to partner with Lombardi Time Brews. Actually, that's John. He's a He's a good dude that puts out a lot of Packers content every day. So um, if you want more Packers discussion, um, John's the guy to, to check out. He's done some stuff for Bleacher Report, actually. That'll be August 17th. So we're still looking at that yet. Don't have the um, exact date for that yet or the exact place. Um, but we will obviously keep that information up. Also, this week, Friday, uh, just Jake and I are going to be live doing a bonus episode. We're going to be drafting some of our favorite all-time Bucks, Badgers, Brewers, uh, based on their jersey numbers. So we're going to be picking a top three from zero to nine on jersey numbers, and then 10 to 19, so on and so forth. Uh, we're doing that with Bucks, Brewers, and Badgers. And then we're also going to be drafting our favorite non-Buck NBA players and non-Brewer MLB players. So that'll be, that'll be fun as well. And then, uh, yeah, and then we're into July, so. Yeah, lots, the, lots going on. The 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 notes for that for the the upcoming Friday episode were very nostalgic, in my opinion. Um, got to rethink of a lot of great moments. I remember watching some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to name names yet because we obviously we have to do a draft. Yeah, it's a little bit of competition going on here, so um, it's gonna be fun. It's not like a oh I'm gonna beat you competition. More like I I want to bring this guy up, and then uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun competition. So yeah, I'm really be- looking forward to that one. It's going to be like our favorites, not like a ranking. 
Yeah, we, we do have a Packers episode for that plan too, but that's not till yes. later. And yep. we are involving Simon and Bryant in that one. Yep. So that'll be if, that'll be mid July. Yeah, if if you enjoy Friday's episode, uh just me and Tyler, um just imagine Bryant putting his irrelevant comments in a Packers episode, and that's what you'll get on that. And Friday Simon night. getting muted several times. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to have to take one dig at Bryant. Always one. Every episode. Got to do what you got to do, I guess. All right, you ready to talk some Brewers baseball? (coughs) Yeah, uh, I'm also ready to talk, like, uh, logically, um, because my brain is on. So, yeah, let's do that. Dude, Uh, I'm I'm telling you. Because I I can't say that it's always the prevailing opinion when it comes to social media. But we'll get there. All right, so give me your Brewers power pair and underrated performer. All right, well... Seems like every week we're just going to switch off with Yelich and our power pair. So my power pair hitter this week is Christian Yelich. Uh, 7-22, that comes out to a 3.18 average. Four runs, he had a double in there, uh, two RBIs and five walks. So out of those 22 at-bats, he got on 12 times. That's pretty damn good. Um, that's a 444 on base percentage. Uh, he had a 364 slug and a 808 OPS. So, I mean, good numbers all around. He plays good defense he runs the bases with good speed and um he's just been really really good for us and i'm happy that the yellow haters are quiet right now uh for my pitcher i got some interesting things to say so i picked wade miley right uh this last week he only pitched in one game uh six innings pitch three hits uh three strikeouts zero walks zero earned runs so he was fantastic now he's gonna face the mets tonight so i got two things to say about that he faced the Mets earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Six innings pitched, five hits, zero earned runs, zero walks, three Ks. That is almost identical what he just did last week. I'll take that again. Now his away uh, pitching this year, he's two and one with a two forty five ERA and sixteen strikeouts. So either way, it sounds like we're getting a good outing, a good quality start from Wade Miley tonight. Hopefully, we can get back in the win column and uh, hush down some some people for for twenty four more hours. I'll just leave it at that. Um, my underrated performer, I went with uh, Peter Strzelecki. Um, I'm, first of all, proud of myself for being able to say his name right after I almost had a seizure last year trying to read that. <laughs> it's a little wild that his name starts with four consonants. I don't know what's going on right there, but it looked like I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> but Peter Strzelecki, um, to say that he's had a rough goal of it every every couple outings is is – not an understatement, right? And I don't expect him to be perfect. I don't expect him to be Devin Williams. I don't expect him to be uh, Cy Burns, right? But, you know, you're going to have your ups and downs, and this week he was very good. Uh, four and a third innings pitched, uh, four hits, only one earned runs, three walks he had, but didn't seem to hurt him too much. He also had five strikeouts and a 208 ERA. So good stuff from Peter Strzelecki. Hopefully he's on the upward trend. Yeah, and I can just reveal the news before I get into my power pair. Peter Strzelecki was actually optioned to AAA Nashville, um, and Thomas Pannone was called up. He's a left-handed pitcher, I think, is the main motivation behind that move, uh, just because um, the the Brewers just need another lefty in the bullpen. Now, on the note of lefties in the bullpen, Justin Wilson is starting some rehab work, um, recovering from Tommy John surgery. So the Brewers, probably after the All-Star break, are going to be adding a left-handed pitcher to the bullpen who has a career 341 ERA. And I heard uh, good news on Ashby that he's mm-hmm. going to start ramping uh, ramping up some bullpen sessions after the All-Star break. 
Um, sounds like uh, Brandon Woodruff's had a couple good bullpen sessions. Yep, he's so. on pace. Yep. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, the Brewers are just going to get stronger and stronger. Yeah, uh, after the All-Star break, the Brewers are going to get a bunch of uh, reinforcements in the pitching staff. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a team that plays a lot of one-run games and um, struggles to hit with runners in scoring position, you're going to need all the help you can get out of the bullpen and defense, you know. So. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, Peter Strzelecki getting sent down, obviously, with him being your underrated performer. It's not performance-related. It's really just more – team need and then if Peter Strzelecki can can build up some confidence by dominating in AAA for a week or two right all right so for my power pair I went with William Contreras he is five for 17 over the last week that's a 294 batting average and drew a walk uh only four strikeouts in 18 plate appearances for William Contreras that's a 22.2 strikeout percentage um pretty much on par with his 2023 strikeout percentage, which is only 20%. Yeah, push the ball and play. In, in 2022, it was 27.7. So he's lowered it. That's so, good. So he's down almost 8% on his strikeout percentage. So that's good for William Contreras, mm-hmm. um, like you said, to be putting the ball in play. Mm-hmm. For my power pitcher, I went with Hobie Milner. He made three appearances in the last week, over two and a thirds innings. Um, gave up one hit, no walks, two strikeouts. All three of his appearance came in three consecutive days. He pitched Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, In the finale versus Cleveland on Sunday, uh, he stranded the bases loaded, uh, got four straight outs in the seventh and eighth inning against the Mets in their first game. So some some high leverage appearances from Hobie Milner is why I had him as my power pitcher. For my underrated performer, I went with Joey Weimer. He was four for 16 for the last week. It's a 250 batting average. It's not great. It's not terrible. Uh, had a home run and a double. Had four RBIs, uh, three runs scored. Joey Weimer's average exit velocity in June is 94.3 miles per hour. Yep. That is seventh in Major League Baseball. Christian Yelich is third. I saw that. Uh, I'm just reading this question here. Uh, what do we do at first base? Really like Telez, but he's just not performing. Do we have any AAA guy other than Hira, or is it time to try him again? So I like this question. Now, I, to me, there's like three different potential solutions. One is you keep Rowdy, hope he, hope he bounces back. Um, it seemed like him hitting the ball harder was going to be potentially him turning a corner. It hasn't happened yet. He hasn't fully turned the corner two is you try Keston Hira and and just see if his bat can justify him you know being you know average at best defensively yeah three you trade for a guy you can trade for somebody see if you know you can get a rental um I mean you're really just looking at maybe stalling for potentially Tyler Black. Tyler Black isn't in AAA yet, but I can't imagine it's going to take long for him to get from AA to AAA. He just had a streak of, I want to say it was 40 exactly, a 40-game on-base streak in AA. Also 40 stolen bases. Yeah. So So getting an athletic dude that can rake and play first base, Tyler Black is a guy that I'm keeping an eye on. So if the Brewers can just get through 2023 and maybe 2024 
with the guys they have in house and maybe an expiring, uh, you know, trade deadline deal or two. That's the way that I would go at first base. I know it's not a super helpful, like win now type solution, but I do think it's a solution that carries the Brewers. You know, if Tyler Black is who he, you know, appears to be a, mm. a solution through fucking 2035 when he gets that up. sounds very awkward to say. <laughs> 2035. Yikes, we're gonna be old. We were yep. we will be real life old. Well, yeah. Then. Well, yeah, we'll be yeah, we'll be real old. <laughs> Yikes. Um what would I do? Uh, I was just in an argument. Well, I won't say an argument, a debate, I'll say, uh, with a guy today talking how, you know, the, the Brewers runner, runners in scoring position average is, is, is bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just call it what it is. Yep. Second worst in baseball, 226. So yeah. it's not good. We yeah. know that. We're not going to sit here and be like, oh, my God, they suck. They're not going anywhere. Like, I don't want to give up pieces. This is what I was trying to explain to this guy. And he was a guy that wanted to bunt. And I'm like, Dude, it doesn't matter if we bunt a guy to second base. We literally don't hit when people are in scoring position. Like that's like a thing. Yeah. Like the like I don't want to make this argument, but it's a thing, you know. So giving them a free out now we have less chances at something we already suck at. Like where's the logic there? Yeah. But anyways, and I'm telling them I'm like we just need better hitters. Like point blank period. Right. That's what that's the point we're at right now. Yeah. And Hira is raking down there, so I would try Hira. But, you know, I said, if you wanted to try to get hitters, how do you do that? you got to trade for them. And I'm not willing to give up on some of these young guys that look like they have potential. Right. You know, the, the Brewers in the situation right now are kind of like how the Bucks were when me, when me and you were growing up, where they were they were always, like, in the mix, right? Mm-hmm. They were never one of the big dogs. They're not one of the shitty teams. They're just – Yeah, they make the, the playoffs mix. every couple of years. Yep. Like, when the Bucks made the playoffs at 40 and 42. They had no business being in the playoffs. <laughs> they weren't good. Yeah, they had no business being there, and they they looked like a forty and forty two team in that playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that that's that's how I feel about the Brewers this year. Doesn't mean I'm going to cheer for them any less. Right. I'm still going to cheer for all the W's, right? Yeah, and I hope we win the division. I hope we make want the them playoffs. in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, all I want is a ticket to the show. Yeah, I want to watch them on TBS, and you know, who knows? With as good as we are in extra inning games, as good as we are in one run games, yep. as good as we are at pitching and defense, mm-hmm. maybe that pressure gets to some of those hitters. You know. Yeah, we don't know, but that doesn't mean I want to give up the future to help the the potential now because I'm not willing to make that trade, right. honestly. And I don't think Matt Arnold is either. Right. Um. Doreen. Doreen chimed in. She also mentioned possibly Hira. I would say Hira is probably the only other option you have currently. I agree, and it's not. It's not that the Brewers aren't trying to do anything. It's just that the moves that they made in the off season haven't gone the way that they wanted them to. And, you know, people can trash Matt Arnold or Mark Adonacio. But, I mean, the fact is the Brewers have added guys who have been successful hitters in the past, like Brian Anderson and Jesse Winker, who just aren't performing as well as as they had previously. And that's yeah. not that's not the front office's fault that they, you know, basically bet on guys who aren't performing to their standards. So like like Jake said, I I am not willing to go all in on 2023 to hurt 2025 through 2030. Yeah, agreed. I'm not either. Uh, if this team was 25 games over 500, that would be a totally different story. 
but we're flirting with three to five games over 500. So I'm not willing to mortgage all the future prospects in exchange for helping a team that's just above 500. Can I tell you something crazy I heard this week, dude? What's that? They were talking, people are already talking about next year. Like people are already like checking out of this year. Right. And they were talking about the outfield next year. And mm-hmm. they're talking about Jackson Cheerio because his name's coming up a lot, cause, you know. And they were like, next year the outfield should be oh, – who the hell did they say? They said Cheerio, Jackson Cheerio in, in center. Um, they put Mitchell in left, and they put uh, Frelick in right field. And they said, yeah, we'll probably send Weimer down to AAA. I'm like, excuse me? No. I, I, I commented on there, and I said, how in the holy hell can you watch Joey Weimer with power in his bat play elite defense and run the bases aggressively yep. and think that he's going to be the one to be sent down. If they were going to bring Sal Frelick up, they would have brought him up already. He's, Joey he's knocking on the door. I'm telling you that right now. I, I, I hope so. I told we're, you. I told you. It's okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, on the subject of the outfield, because this is where we're at. I'm just going to say this on the subject of prospects. Any day, and it might be right after the All-Star break, but we are any day from getting a swap of Andrew Monasterio and Bryce Terang and Blake Perkins and Sal Frelick. We are any day this could happen, that these swaps, these two swaps happen, and whoo boy, when Sal Frelick gets up. Man, I've been conducting that hype train. Um, I miss watching Bryce play defense too, man. He's a lead yeah. on defense. Yeah, and I think he's got a good head on his shoulders too. Not that Monasterio yeah. doesn't, but right. – um, when it comes to next season's outfield, just on that subject while we're talking about it, I think it's far more likely that you would see Frelick in left, Mitchell in center, and Weimer in right. That's closer to what their, yeah. their planned positions were. Um, yeah. They're having Sal Frelick play a lot of left field in AAA. So I do think that that's more likely going to be the case. Um, not that Churio isn't going to be up, but... Weimer is up before Churio, obviously, now, and that's going to be the case in 2024. And he's and people are complaining about his batting average. Well, you can complain about eight other people's batting average, right? So on the subject of that, he's only going to get better at hitting. And you see the obvious power, and he does have a little bit of patience. You know, he, right. he's starting to work counts and see, see the ball a little bit It's better. almost like he's only got two and a half months of MLB experience. Yeah, dude, he's going to be just fine. <laughs> I, I can see what the Brewers see in him. Oh, yeah. I understand what they see in him. And, you know, me and you have talked about this a hundred times. We thought Garrett Mitchell is going to – we think he's going to be a star. Like, oh, he, yeah. has, he has mm-hmm. star written all over him. Oh, yeah. He's Obviously, our bigger J- leadoff hitter. Jackson Cheerio is oh, – I was just too early on it, man. Um, <laughs> Cheerio is getting compared to Ronald Acuna Jr. So, I mean, fucking sign me up for that, dude. I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> Michael proposed an interesting question. Which one possibly Frelick, Churio, Weimer down the road could play first base? There's a super easy answer for me out of these three. Frelick? Nope. Who? Joey Weimer, bro. He's 6'4". Really? You would take him out of the outfield, though? I, well, I mean, if you're talking about Frelick, Churio, and Weimer, like which one you would put at first base, it's easily Joey Weimer for me. I don't now. Just to be clear, I don't think that any of these three are going to be playing infield anytime soon. But uh, down the road, I could see it because of his size. But that's, that's basically the only answer. Man, he reads the ball so fucking good off the bat, man. Yeah. Like he gets a good jump every time. Like he covers the gap so good. Like man, 
people are people are complaining about the wrong things and they they have no idea how to find the positives and shit and it just is so annoying so annoying well, I mean, we we just talked about it last night that we're going to be entering a situation with the Packers this season. Yeah. Um, it's going to be for, you know, a season of analyzing player development more than it is about wins and losses. That's going to be so hard for some people, man. Yeah. I'm honestly looking forward to it. Like, it's going to be interesting. The thing that's really going to annoy me, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it all out there right now. This is live on camera. The thing that's going to really going to annoy me is they're going to think that people are always talking about, oh, my God, spoiled Packers fans. They've had 31 years of great quarterback play. We understand that, dude. Mm -hmm. We've looked it in the eyes. We get it. Yeah. And they think they think that we're the ones that are going to have a hard time with it. When truthfully, it's going to be the people that, you know, went through the bad times and then had all the good times. Yep. And then they have to go back to the bad times. They're going to be the ones that do the most bitching. Oh, yeah. Easily. They're the, yep. they're the ones that do the most bitching now. So why would that change, right? <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> well, let's we'll get to some of these more nuanced conversations about strategy yeah. when we get yeah. to specific games. Yep. Let's start with the let's start with the Indian nope Guardians. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, right. Guardians series. <laughs> it's a force of habit. Yeah. Um. So start with the Guardians series. What stood out to you from the first game against the Cleveland Guardians? Well, first of all, obviously, I brought up Wade Miley earlier, right? So he was. He was fantastic. Um, just great control of his pitches. Um, he threw 15, 15 out of 20 batters he faced was was first pitch strikes. So he was in command. He was taking over. He was he was phenomenal. Um, Strzelecki was also very good in this game, even though he did give up the one earned run. Um, Hauser came in, gave an inning, and we were we were texting during that. I was like, man, I freaking love Hauser out of the bullpen. Um, I think he's going to be great out of there. Uh, Matt Bush looked really good. Two out, of, two out of three batters that he's seen, first pitch strikes. And then how do we talk about this game without talking about Willie Thomas, right? Man finally. Of the Jesus, finally, right? <laughs> you know, we were we were waiting for this for, for the whole season, right? Two home runs from him, five RBIs, got him up to 12 home runs, tied for the team lead, which is kind of sad since the team lead has been held since May 22nd, the game that we were at, actually. Um, oh, yeah, that's there, true, yeah. Yeah, 34 RBIs. That was the last time Tellez hit a homer. Uh, got it. Yeah, got Adamus up to 34 RBIs. Uh, Weimer added in on the RBI party, and so did Yelich. Yelich at 33, Weimer at 27. Um, Adamus, Tellez, and Contreras also had doubles. So in this one, let me tell you this real quick about Willie Adamus. It's his first multi-home run game of the year. We know that, mm -hmm. right? It's Willie's third three-hit game of the season. It's his first four-hit game of the season. Um, the last time they had a three-hit game was April 22nd versus Boston. Yeah. Um, and also, it was Matt Bush's first appearance in a game since April 21st. So, we got a lot of lot of firsts here, mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of since thens here. But it was a good game. Way to start the road trip out on a positive note, winning 7-1. to one. That was a big, big-time win in my mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah, so there's a handful of things that actually really stood out to me in this game. So the top of the first inning, uh, William Contreras just missed a homer. Mm -hmm. Like, hit it off the top of the wall. It was a one-out double. Willie Adamas drove him in with a two-out single. Um, you mentioned Willie Adamas having his two home runs. The Brewers are 12-0 and this season in games that Willie Adamas has homered in. Oh. And they are 47-12 and all-time in games that Willie Adamas has homered in. Oh. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I should take that as like a good thing or essentially four out of five games the Brewers win when Willie Adamas hits a homer. Wow. That's uh that is actually insane. I am speechless. That does not happen often. <laughs> um bottom of the first inning, Wade Miley wiped out a one out single with a five four three double play. Brian Anderson and Luis Urias both made very nice plays on that. Bottom of the second inning, Wade Miley strands a leadoff double at second base. And then we get all the way to the top of the fifth inning. <clears throat> um, they got to give credit to Tyler Freeman. He made a very, very nice play in the top of the fifth inning. Um, bottom of the fifth inning, Brian Anderson returned to the favor. He made a very nice play um, on a spinning, uh, spinning grounder to um, make a good play to first base on a fast runner. That's um, – Straw, I believe, is his last name. Yeah, he's one of the fastest Super in the majors. Fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, top of the sixth inning, William Contreras on base for the third time. He went single, walk, single in his first three at-bats. Rowdy Telez hit a double, and then Willie Adamas hit a three-run home run completely out of the stadium. Yeah, we saw that guy literally rolling down the sidewalk. <laughs> you see that guy running, dude? Yeah, that would have been me. I would have been chasing a baseball. I uh, man, I'm walking down crack- the street, and all of a sudden the baseball's rolling at him. Like, what the fuck? I hope your butt crack doesn't hang out like that, guys. Man, jeez, <laughs> he's old, leave him alone. <laughs> now, this is what really struck me. So, through five innings pitched, Shane Bieber had allowed four earned runs coming into this game. Shane Bieber had a 189 ERA at home. Yeah, Brewers really. hung four runs on him in five innings. That's good stuff. That's that is super encouraging. Shows the potential that we talk about, right? Yes. If they can rock seven runs on a lefty, I'd be so happy. Oh god. I'd be super excited. Yeah. Top of the sixth inning, Blake Perkins had a two-out pinch hit single. Um, just a nice a nice button push by Craig Council. Luis Arias got hit by a pitch. Joey Weimer. Hit a single, made it five to nothing. Christian Yelich had another single, made it six nothing. Um, and then Wade Miley done after six innings. I saw a lot of complaints about this because he was, I want to say, like eighty-five pitches, which for him being his second game back from his injury is probably about the cap that they were going to want him at. Anyways, is right around eighty-five. Mm-hmm. But he was walking around in the dugout, and the you know the announcers are wondering like, oh, is he hurt? You know, what's going on with Wade Miley? He doesn't look happy that he's coming out of the game. Um, he was dealing with cramping. Oh, so, you know, it wasn't anything that's going to cost him to miss any time, but it was one of those things where it's like, all right, he's dealing with some cramping. We're going to pull him out of the game um, Uh, because he's at 85 pitches anyway. So just kind of all those factors adding up and adding in the fact that it's only his second appearance since coming back from the injured list. mm -hmm. So I just wanted to kind of to bring that up, point out what, you know, what the issue was, and then also mention that it's not going to be anything that's going to hold him out of a future start, obviously, because like Jake said, he's pitching tonight. So, top of the seventh inning, Willie Adamas just missed his second home run in the seventh inning. Missed it just foul. Um, bottom of the seventh inning, Peter Strzelecki gave up a solo home run, but then got a fly out, um, a strikeout, and another fly out. So, still did a good job in the bottom of the seventh. Just gave up the shutout. It's not a big deal. Yep. Top of the ninth inning, Willie Adamas up with a chance for a cycle if he can hit a triple. Willie Adamas says, fuck a triple, hits another home run. <laughs> run into one. Um, and then the bottom of the ninth inning, you mentioned Matt Bush back. 
Um, other thing I wanted to bring up with Wade Miley, and he was asked about this. He was working with a new pitch. Yeah. Wade Miley started throwing cutters just on three days' notice, started throwing cutters because he was watching LSU college baseball. Yeah, that's stupid. Saw a dude throwing cutters, tried a new grip, and just is like, yeah, I'm just going to throw like a new pitch. And, you know, literally an old dog learning new tricks. And just, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to allow zero earned runs and walk zero people with it. <laughs> I'm just going to go against, you know, a solid, a solid hitting lineup and be like, yeah, I just learned this pitch three days ago. You can't hit it. Dude, they have, dude, Naylor and uh, Ramirez are, they're real. They got, they some, are, they're they real. Stud hitters. Naylor and his younger brother is going to be good in a few years. Yeah, Bo Naylor. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna they're gonna have the Naylor brothers and Ramirez is only thirty, so he's not super old. So right, give him a couple of years yet, he could still be a monster. Yeah, I wish he was about on... Straw being one of the fastest guys in baseball. Right. Um, they still they still got some interesting pieces over there. Yeah, they just they honestly just need some more pitching, but it seems like yeah. they have some prospects coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean Wade Miley. 32 years old, learns a new pitch. Three days later, is like, yeah, I'm just going to bust it out in a Major League Baseball game. Fuck it. <laughs> what an asshole, kind of. <laughs> but he's our asshole. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Game two, let's throw it to you from the second game. Uh, this game was frustrating. Um, yeah. I mean, Peralta was cruising. Um, get to get to the, the, fourth, the bottom of the fourth inning, and – just felt like the wheels fell off. We were being kind of sloppy with the baseball. Yelly dropped it a little bit. Uh, Peralta's con- uh, control was not great. Um, but, I mean, really, and I'm not going to harp on the guy, but, you know, outside of the the bottom of the fourth, I thought he was tremendous. Um, the mm-hmm. bottom of the fourth was really where everything kind of fell apart. But yep. he had five innings pitched, four hits, three walks, three earned runs, and five Ks. Um, Milner came in, gave good two-thirds. Um, I – you know, shout out to Craig Council. He was very, very good with his bullpen management this week. Yeah, I saw um, Piguero came in, gave a third of an inning, got the guy out that he's supposed to get. Uh, Strzelecki, same thing. And Bush, uh, one earned run, uh, zero walks. But he did give up to two hits. But he's just getting his feet under him. So I'm not going to harp on him too much as well. Contreras, RBI. Um, Piguero, dude, he, he was a beast this week, dude. He mm-hmm. was a beast. Um, and I really understand the the putting Strzelecki down to AAA and bringing up another lefty because I feel like all the pressure is on Hobie Milner when there's a lefty. Right. And uh, he can handle it because obviously he has, but it would be nice to have another option, you know. And that's going to be Justin Wilson yeah. when we get there. Um, I just thought uh, Craig Council was asked about it. Um, he said that um, – Strzelecki being sent down was like a big product of the fact that the Brewers have 17 games in 17 days. And Peter Strzelecki is one of the guys that does have minor league options. Oh, so, so like I said, it's really more about roster management than performance. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So, and, uh, Taylor said, old man, Miley told the young whippersnappers to hold his beer. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay. So Christian Yelich started this game with a leadoff infield single. Got the second on a, on a uh, William Contreras strikeout. Um, an error on a Rowdy Tellez line drive, but the Brewers up one nothing. That was David Fry, former Brewers prospect David Fry in right field, made the error. Uh, mm-hmm. Christian Yelich scored on it. And then 
a couple very generous strike calls for Cleveland against Willie Adamas forced him to expand his strike zone. And I know you talked about this as well when we were talking about this game because when you get these pitches that are, you know, an inch or two or three off the strike zone called for strikes, it forces you to expand your strike zone. And I I don't know this because I haven't played Major League Baseball, but I have to imagine that's got to be one of the most frustrating things you can deal with as a batter. Well, imagine going through a slump and then you're trying to put a good at bat together. And this happened to Brian Anderson a couple times this week and people are getting yeah. on Brian Anderson and you get into two strikes, you know, they, they teach you even in, in little league, you got to choke up on the bat. You got to protect the plate. Like you got to protect the strike zone. Like all of a sudden a pitcher throws something, you're in a little bit of panic mode and you're swinging at some garbage and, you know, you got people like me at home asking why the hell they're swinging at that, but you don't understand the mindset up there. They have a, right. a half a second to react, right? If they don't I, know it's dropping 20 freaking inches. Right. It's still coming at you at 85, you know? So it's just ridiculous. Yeah. William Adams should have been walked in that inning, but like yeah. I said, just the bad strike zone is really forcing guys to expand and swing at pitches that they probably wouldn't have wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Peralta did a really good job, like you said. He had a one, two, three, first and second inning. Uh, bottom of the third, Christian Yelich drew a walk, stole second. William Contreras had an opposite field single, and the Brewers were up two to nothing. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the third inning, Freddie Peralta gives up a leadoff single, gets a swinging strikeout and a 93 mile an hour fastball just above the zone, and then gets a double play ball on Straw, who again, one of the fastest players in baseball. Mm-hmm. So good work by Freddie Peralta, like you said. Now, bottom of the fourth, and this is where I took I had a lot of notes with this bottom of the fourth inning, like you mentioned. So Freddie Peralta gives up a leadoff single and then a walk and then a four pitch walk. And the Cleveland guardians had the bases loaded with no outs, a run scored on the double play. They made it two to one. Freddie Peralta gave up another walk and then a hit by pitch with bases loaded two outs, Um, seven batters bases loaded twice. Cleveland only scored one run. We were talking about that. That's a that's really when you consider the amount of traffic to only give up one one is a great job by Freddie Peralta. Yeah. Now this is this is the thing. Freddie Peralta threw thirty seven pitches in that fourth inning, only seventeen strikes. Yeah. So yeah. Freddie Peralta, my guy, you just got you got to put the ball in the zone. Yep. Bottom of the fifth inning, Freddie Peralta had a good bounce back, another one, two, three inning, got two strikeouts, only 10 pitches. Top of the sixth inning, Willie Adamas had a leadoff walk. Rowdy Telez flew out. Jesse Winker drew a walk, and then Brewers went strikeout, strikeout. So two guys on with one out, and just the Brewers need to get the strikeouts down. It's really – you know how often I brought up turnovers being a problem for the Bucks. Strikeouts are the thing for the Brewers. That's the yeah, thing but that's going to hold them back the most. But if they would have just bunted the runners over to second and third, they would have scored. You're right. Let's Yeah, let's start bunting with two outs, and let's see how many runs we score. <laughs> Even with one out, it's stupid. We just suck at hitting with runners in scoring position. Like, just, And the ball just needs to be in play. Like, it's called it's call spade a spade, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and I have thoughts when we get to that, but I'll save that for later. Uh, bottom of the sixth inning, Freddie Peralta gave up two leadoff singles, and then he was done at 98 pitchers. Hobie Milner came in, gave up another single, tied the game at two, got a pop-out, and then a strikeout on a bunch of sliders moving away from a lefty, which is just nasty for Hobie Milner. 
Yeah. Um, Paguero came in. He gave up a single that made a 3-2 lead for the Guardians, but then got a strikeout, a flyout, and they gave up a hit-by-pitch. Um, Rowdy Telez, he just kind of caught, caught up in between the first and second um, the first and second base hole and just didn't really have a clear idea of where to go to the ball or go with the ball. And then Peter Strzelecki came in. He ended the inning with a strikeout on a nasty changeup to Josh Naylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had to be a big confidence builder for Peter Strzelecki. Right. Um, top of the eighth, Brewers went one, two, three. Bottom of the eighth, Cleveland tacked on an insurance run off of Bush. Top of the ninth, uh, Brian Anderson had a one-out single, and the Brewers went fly out or strikeout and fly out after that. Um, Cleveland, I mentioned their pitching. They do have a good bullpen. Um, Brewers only had one hit after the sixth inning and a walk. Again, it makes the case for, um, you know, it makes the case for pulling starters a little early, not a little late with the two guys getting on base in the sixth inning against Freddie Peralta, both scoring um, those two inherited runners, one by Milner, one by uh, Paguero. Yep. That was Paguero's first time giving up a run, an inherited runner Mm. this year. That's tough. It happens. Yeah, it does. And it's baseball, and it's a 162-game season, and I've said it 754 times so far just this season. That baseball (laughs) is the most zoomed out regular season in all of professional sports. And basically anything that can happen in a baseball season will happen in a baseball season. I mean, who who thought Shohei Otani was going to be a thing, man? That guy's incredible. You're talking 30 teams – that all play 162 games. So you're talking about 4,860 games. It's a lot. That's that's a lot. A lot of things are going to happen during a baseball season. Yeah. All right. Let's throw out to you from the finale. It's a good game. This was a good game. Uh, Corbin Burns was good for a little while. Um uh, what was it the bottom of the fifth? Was it the bottom of the fifth? Am I thinking of or bottom of the sixth? I think it was the bottom of the sixth. Sixth. Uh, yeah, when he started getting a little control issuey, um, Milner came in and shut that shit down. Though he said, mm-hmm. "Nah, not today, bruh." Um, Piamps. Two innings pitched, stud. I I hold steady that Joel Piamps is the most underrated per, underrated player on the Brewers. Bro, BDE, for sure. Not even kidding. <laughs> BDE, he walks with an attitude. He pitches with an attitude. Like, the guy's just got swag. I don't even have to know anything about him. I just know and that he's he not like swag. a super animated guy either. Like, no. he's got that quiet, like. Confidence. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I could I could see it. I could, I literally feel it when I'm watching him pitch. I'm not even shitting you. Like, he's yeah. a stud. Um, Devin Williams, always a stud. Yeah. Uh, Paguero, his first career save. So fucking hats off to you too, Love man. Uh, your name is Elvis. So, I mean, now you have a career save and your name is Elvis. So that's two cool things <laughs> in your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yelly, Telez, Miller. Uh, Miller was fantastic in this game. Um, obviously had the game-winning RBI in, in the 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had another. He had two doubles, two doubles and also RBIs in this game. Uh, Yelly also had an RBI uh, double. Uh, 15 doubles for him, 13 doubles for Miller. So that's fantastic. Um, after this game, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll wait for those stats for after. But um, 
really, I just wanted to give credit to the bullpen in this game because they were, man, they couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. So Christian Yelich, another lead, another day, another leadoff single. Robbie Torres <laughs> drew a two-out walk. They were both stranded. Bottom of the first inning, Andrew Monasterio made a good recovery on a play to fill, still finish an out. Um, bottom of the second inning, a leadoff home run for the Guardians. The wind was blowing out, and and we'll know this later in the game that the wind was blowing out. Mm-hmm. Top of the third inning, Joey Weimer hits a single. Christian Yelich hits an opposite field double, 110 mile an hour exit velocity. Yeah, there's a reason Christian Yelich is third in baseball in the month of June in exit velocity. Dude is just smoking the ball right now. Yep. Um, and then Owen Miller had his opposite field double. His was 102 miles an hour off the bat. That made it two to one Brewers. And then Rowdy Telez ripped a single into right field that made it three to one Brewers. That one was 106.7 miles an hour off the bat. We're just hitting it hard, baby. Just smoking the ball. Love it. So you can't look at these four batters in a row, Joey Weimer, Christian Yelich, Owen Miller, Rowdy Telez, all hitting the ball over 100 miles an hour and tell me that the Brewers' offense doesn't have the capability to be good offensively. Yeah. And, I, and again, it's not all happening at the same time. And it's and it's and I'm not expecting it to. I'm not expecting every single player to get hot at the same time. But if they do, that's how you go on big winning streaks like the Reds just had. Yeah. And the Brewers have that capability. It just Lit- they just need to figure out how to unlock it. Literally, if Telez and Adamas get hot at the same time, and Joe and Winker decides to, I almost said Joey Winker. Holy crap! Um, if Winker just decides to be average, the Brewers could literally go on like an eight nine game win streak, no mm-hmm. doubt. With Yelly playing the way he is, we get two guys on fire, and Winker average. Weimer's yep. going to do what he does. Owen Miller's going to do what he does. We're going to play good defense. And Contreras has been solid, if anything. Yeah, I don't think Contreras has been a, a disappointment or anything like that. I think he's been you solid. Know, as, as expected. Yeah, he's been solid. Mm-hmm. So Joey Weimer, Christian Yelich, Owen Miller, the three guys to start that inning, all of their hits came on the first pitch. Fucking love it, dude. Please, more of that. If the ball's in the zone, fucking swing at it. Just hit the damn thing, dude. I, I don't want to watch you take eight pitches to strike it on a slider, damn it. I get the idea and the strategy of driving up your opponent's starter's pitch count to get to the bullpen, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking against the Mets, which we'll get to. But yes, when you're talking about guys who are pitching well, like don't let them get ahead in counts. Yeah. If the guy's giving you a first pitch strike, strike the first pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Just came to me just now. <laughs> Top of the fourth, Andrew Monasterio drew a leadoff walk. Um, Perkins um, got a hit towards the second baseman, snuck through. Monasterio got the third on it. Aggressive base running. Love to see it. Love That's to see my, it. Like, that is my easiest like adjustment that the Brewers can make to, to help their offense is to be more aggressive on the bases. Love to see it. And I'm going to come back to it when we get to last night's game. Okay. So Perkins stole second. It overturned. That's a really tough overturn. It is what it is. Um, Weimer hit a sack fly on a 3 2 count, made the game 4 to 1. Burns threw five innings on 74 pitches. Bottom of the sixth inning, Cleveland did get a run back. Um, they went walk, triple, walk, wild pitch. I made it 4 to 3. Um, and then a single made it 4 to 4. 
So Burns got through five and two thirds, pitched four innings, sorry, pitched four earned runs, eight hits, three walks. Um, and then Miller got the last out of the sixth inning. Top the seventh, Perkins had a single. He got picked off. That one stood. That's Perkins getting picked off is more of an issue than him getting caught stealing. Yeah, like, I'm I really not don't have an that. issue with a guy getting caught stealing, especially when you're trying to be aggressive to score runs. Getting picked off is a little less forgivable, in my opinion. Um, but it's it's a young guy trying to make plays to keep his his spot on the major league team. You, you know, Perkins is the fastest guy in the Brewers by foot speed. He technically is the fastest guy. So yeah. him trying to make a play, I understand. Yeah. I'm not as mad at the first one as I am at the second one because I was like, dude, you, you just did that. Like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> so bottom of the seventh inning, um, Milner gets a ground out, fly out, gives up a double. Piams comes in, gets that strikeout. Um, just or no, Sorry, that was all Piams. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Because I thought it was weird that uh, Milner didn't have to face a three-batter minimum, and yeah. I don't know why he didn't have to. I don't know. I couldn't find a rule about it. Anyways, Piams, great seventh inning. Top of the eighth inning, Luis Urias got a two-out walk. Um, Tapia came in to run, and Brian Anderson grounded out to end the inning, but Tapia being in this game does end up becoming a factor. Bottom of the eighth, Piams came back out. We were texting during this the middle of this inning, wondering who was going to pitch the eighth inning, mm-hmm. and it ended up being Piams. He went <laughs> strikeout and then gets a strike him out, throw him out to end the eighth inning. Just, I mean, like you can't ask much more from the Brewers pitching or defensively. I literally felt like we were going to win the game after that. I was like, oh, we're winning for sure, dude. Um, Perkins, top of the ninth, um, two out walk. Stole second base. He's he's still a good base runner. It's not this bullshit where it's like, okay, the guy got caught on the bases three times in two games. He needs to be, you know, DFA'd. Like, you just got to let guys try to make plays. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, this comes back to the baseball being the most zoomed out regular season. Like, you got to have some patience. We got to, like, I don't know what it's going to take for us to to preach patience to Brewers fans, to baseball fans. But like it's gotta be, it's gotta be there. We gotta find like a snappy slogan or something, man. We and we gotta we gotta figure something out. Maybe we do a segment about it or a, a, a bonus episode where we talk about it. But we gotta figure something out. We'll figure it out. I believe in the, us. The stress, patience needed for a, a long season. Yeah, and young players, dude. Like, come on. That too. Um. So bottom of the ninth, one, two, three inning, capped by a nice play. By none other than Blake Perkins in left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the, the two-out hit towards the left field corner, and Blake Perkins ran it down a step in front of the wall. Yeah. That was a very nice play, and that was when you texted me that he made up for the caught stealing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did that twice in this game, but in the bottom of the ninth inning of a tie game, that became a bigger deal. Um, mm-hmm. That's what made him the underrated performer from this win. Mm-hmm. Top of the 10th, Owen Miller off the very top of the wall, just like William Contreras in the first game. Just hit, like, the the yellow striping across the top of the wall. Yeah. Both of those are long home runs at, at American Family Field, I'll tell you that. They're flying out to the bullpen. Super, cl- super close home to being a home run against his former team. 
Uh, Tapia drew a two-out walk in the top of the 10th. Bottom of the 10th, Paguero comes out with a save opportunity versus Cleveland's best hitters. Yeah. The three, four, five hitters in their lineup. Uh, he gets uh, got Jose Ramirez to ground out on a bounced fastball, which is a very nice pick. Um, um, a very nice pick by Victor Caratini struck out Naylor on a slider. Bro, that slider he threw to strike out Naylor, disgusting. That, that took some nuts because he just threw one and it was a little bit higher and Naylor took it. And I was like, oh, shit, man. I felt mm-hmm. the pressure for for Paguero. And all of a sudden he threw it in almost the same spot, just a little bit lower, and he took the bait. And I was like, yeah, baby. Yep. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, so striking out Ramirez, bouncing a fastball, and Victor Caratini picking it, then striking out Naylor on a slider. Gets, um, I forgot what his first name is, Jimenez on two strikes. Then he hits him with a pitch um, and gets Straw to pop up um, to end the to end the game. Um, first save of his career for him, he got the ball, which was cool. Yeah. That brought the Brewers to five and – oh, you got you got the stats. I'll let you. I'll let oh, you. okay. I mean, I was just going to let you go. Okay. Um, five and one in extra inning games, so yep. fantastic. Uh, 12 and four in one run games. Yep. Also fantastic. Mm-hmm. 30 and four when they score five plus runs and 36 and six when they score four plus runs. Literally minimal run production. And this team is one of the best in the league. Just, you just need slightly below average run production and the Brewers will win six times out of seven. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Look how good our bullpen and our defense is, dude. Man, holy shit, man, and and the contributions of guys who were not expected to be as important as they are, right? And it doesn't go to just pitching; it goes to it goes in the field too. So, mm-hmm. and even batting, like I didn't expect Owen Miller to have that great of a a May. You know, I didn't expect him to go superhuman. Yeah, um, Blake Perkins playing good defense, like. Yeah. I mean, we signed Blake Perkins for the outfield, and it's like, all right, he's probably going to spend most of the year at AAA. And yep. he's making good defensive plays. He got on base multiple times in this game. Uh, I had no complaints about that yeah. game. Taking two or three from the Guardians in Cleveland, super yeah. happy with that. I feel like we played good there for some reason. I don't know why, but I feel I, like we do. I don't have a feeling on Cleveland just because it didn't happen very often with not as much interleague play, but now that we're in a season where – they're actually going to play everybody. Like I still, I still could not wrap my head around that. That baseball had the most games and the least amount of interleague play. Like that just never made sense to me. Right. I don't need to watch the Pirates thirty games. Dude. It, was it was so fun. weird that it used to be like just one weekend in July was like the interleague weekend, and it's like, why are we only playing the Yankees teams from the other league for a three game series? Like, yeah, what the hell is that? One hundred and fifty games against the NL. <laughs> see this team once every four years <laughs> once every 16 geez <laughs> yeah like the brewers stats against the mariners like first time they've been there since like 2016 it's like fucking why <laughs> yeah right all right mets game one what's that out to you from monday's game <sighs> boy let me tell you um colin ray dude holy shit <laughs> do i talk about a guy and I entered him into the most underrated player on the team list uh, by myself here. And you were like, he's on the list. And I he's agree. He's in the conversation. 
He's he's definitely yeah. That's what you said in the conversation. I definitely yep. agree. He's in the conversation. Um, six and a third, uh, three hits, one walk, one earned run, three strikeouts. And I I said to you during watching this game that I was like, ah man, the fan in me wanted him to go seven, but I really really did understand the move to take him out, especially mm-hmm. in this game. Um, Hobie Milner stud. Uh, Piguero comes in, pitches for the third day in a row. Mm-hmm. And he leads all NL relievers this month in appearances, by the way. Hmm. Um, I forgot the number. It's on the other page. Um, Devin Williams with the save. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And I know we were over 11 with runners in scoring position. You don't have to remind me. I know the stats. Hey, we but, were over 11 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, we were. <laughs> um, Joey Weimer almost dented the apple. And I tell you what, if he was oh. I really wish he would have got five more feet and just put a big honking dent in that son of a bitch. That would have been hilarious, dude. That would have been hilarious. I mean, because obviously we have hindsight. We know what happened last night. But how funny would it have been to watch that apple pop up with a big dent in it, dude? (laughs) Right? Um, So, really just Joey Weimer being clutch um, and Colin Ray just honestly just being a monster. What was the stat you had about Joey Weimer last week? That it was like trying to, this is not. Trying. I want to say this was like his sixth tying or yep. go ahead home run. Yep. Hang on, I'm gonna find it. You do your breakdown. I'm gonna find it. Okay. I did not write it down. I only texted it to you. So third game in a row, Christian Yelich is on to lead off a game. He had a 108 mile an hour exit velocity single. Um, Rowdy Telez had a 1-0 double. Christian Yelich held it throw. Held, sorry, held it throw. Held it third on a very good throw by Starling Marte. Not mad at that. Um, yeah, Starlin Marte's got a gun. Let's just call yeah, it what it is. Big time. Willie Thomas drew a walk. Bruce had bases loaded with one out. Owen Miller tapper in front of the mound. That ball goes anywhere else but directly to the pitcher, and the Brewers are scoring a run. Mm-hmm. Just kind of unlucky there a little bit. Um, Winker got ahead in the count, but then grounded out. Top of the second, Weimer reached on an error. Christian Yelich drew another walk on base twice. Uh, both of them stranded five left on base in the first two innings. That's tough. Bottom of the third inning, two outs, a, a two-out walk was the Mets' first base runner. So Colin Ray had retired the Mets' first eight batters. Top of the fourth, Luis Urias and Blake Perkins both had some one-out singles. That's where Perkins was picked off. He actually, I re-watched this play. Um, he was watching Luis Urias. So I don't know this is something where I don't know if maybe the Brewers were looking at calling like a double steal. Yeah. And Blake Perkins was looking at Luis Urias to see if he was going or not. But whatever whatever Perkins was doing, he was looking at Luis Urias when the snap throw came from the catcher. Uh, That's why he got picked off. And I'm not I'm not excusing it by any means, but I do think that that's something to bring up like it's not just that he was, you know, not paying attention to, you know, when the the pitcher was going to throw or he was just kind of like nonchalantly walking back to first base after the pitch. Like he was, he was watching Luis Urias. And the thing that, like I said, came to my mind was maybe the Brewers had a, a double steal call Mm -hmm. and um, Perkins was watching Urias to see if he was going. That's the only thing I could think of. Um, But yes, he was like 10 feet off the base when he did that. And the ball got thrown behind him by the catcher and he was out. Yeah. And I did find it it is his sixth go-ahead home run this year, like you said. So Nailed it. Yes. I remember your stats, so I am paying attention to you when you talk. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> At least somebody in my life is. Um, <laughs> I will say, too, with this game being in the fourth inning and this being the second out, um, if Craig Council had challenged it, he might have been safe. But with it being a, a, the fourth inning, two outs, it's I'm not mad at Council for not challenging it. No. Um, but like I said, if they had, he might have been overturned and had, hadn't been safe. I mean, seventh inning, yeah, you probably challenge it. Right. But like you I said, agree. fourth inning. Uh, there's time and place for everything, right? And that yep. was not the time and place to challenge. Right. That'd be like that'd be like the Bucks using a challenge in the first half. They they usually only do that when Giannis is in foul trouble and it's right. like a charge call. Right. Or if Brooke Lopez asked, because I swear Budenholzer listened to Brooke Lopez every time he asked for a challenge and he was always right. He's humongous. Wouldn't you listen to him? Because I would. But yes, you're big. I listen to you. <laughs> Okay, bottom of the fourth, the Mets get their first hit. Advanced on the throw to center field. Um, kind of a lucky bounce by the Brewers uh, after Joey Weimer threw the ball to third base. Kept Marte at third base. Um, the ball bounced off the dugout and right back towards the plate, so the Brewers mm-hmm. got lucky there. Yep. Uh, Zach Fly did end up scoring him anyways, made it 1-0. to zero. Top of the fifth inning, Christian Yelich, another single. So three times up to bat, three times on base. This one was an opposite field hit. Uh, William Contreras followed with a hit. The Brewers had first and second with nobody out. Um, Brewers went fly out, fly out, strike out. Um, Christian Yelich did get to third on the second fly out, but left a lot of guys on base, but they did get Justin Verlander 100 pitches after five innings. That does matter. Now, I'm not saying the Brewers need to hang their hat on it and be like, yay, we forced Justin Verlander to throw a bunch of pitches, but we didn't score. It does matter against the New York Mets because their bullpen is liquid garbage. That's not good. Seven runs. Fuck, I don't remember what team it was. They just gave up seven runs in the eighth inning. Um, I think it might have been the Cardinals. Doesn't surprise me. It was a red team. I don't know which red team it was, but they gave up seven runs in the eighth inning. Ended up losing a game eight to seven. Oh boy. They had like a 99% win probability and lost because their bullpen gave up seven runs in one inning. Oh, so was, games it, was against it the, the Phillies? Mets are not over and chasing their starters does benefit uh, against the Mets. So was that it? is helpful. Oh no, they, they lost that one seven to six, but they didn't give up a ton of runs in that one. Maybe the Astros? I'm not sure. You can keep going. It might have been the Astros, I guess. Maybe the Astros. Yeah. No, it's the Phillies for sure. Oh, Phillies. Phillies. I knew it was a red team. Yeah, Phillies for sure. Okay. Um, Top of the sixth inning, Winker had a leadoff single on a 2-2 count. Weimer straightaway center, 422 feet, 108 miles an hour off the bat. Yeah, that was a boss home run, dude. Straightaway center field. Power the mullet, baby. (laughs) That's We got to get Tyler to make a, a shirt for that from Wisco Ball. We got to get him to make a mullet power shirt. Bro, I was going to say this to you the other day. You should tell the the Fanlocks guy he needs to make mullets. Oh, I was going to tell it. I was going to tell you that after the home run, you were like, power the mullet. I was like, dude, that's you're that you're right now. This you got to strike while it's hot, right? Interesting mullets. idea. Because he's got, he's got like the Trevor Lawrence ones that look like Trevor Lawrence's hair. Yep. All you got to do is just shave the sides off. Yep, and then curl it. That's it. You got Joey Weimer hair. Telling you. I'll bring that up. I'll see what he says. Hey, hey, I want credit for that one because that's a good idea. And, 
and we'll, and we get to talk to Tyler next Saturday. Yeah, we'll do be, it because he'll be at Mill Street Day, so we'll get the chance to be like, "Hey, we need a mullet power T-shirt stat now in in the powder blue." Damn it! Yes, definitely in the powder blue. Yes, with with the yellow writing, dude. Yep, lit. Yep. Plus, with the yellow hair. Jeez, oh, man. man, I feel like I'm going to play in the majors right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, bottom of the sixth inning. Colin Ray gets the first out of the seventh. That was his first time going over six innings as a brewer. Mm. So he went six and a third, so it still technically counts. Mm-hmm. Milner finished the seventh inning. Uh, the Mets were getting some hard contact, but just right at Brewers fielders. So mm-hmm. good defensive positioning by the Brewers. Um, Milner came back out for the eighth, got the first two outs. Paguero ended the eighth inning by striking out Kettle Marte, which is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Love to see it. And then Devin Williams only needed six pitches to get through the ninth inning. That is yeah. awesome. Zero stress. Literally zero stress from Devin Williams in that ninth inning, only needing six pitches. Bro, do you know how awesome that was after we just stress, stress, stress? We hit the homer. I'm like, oh, boy. Come on, Devin. And you know, every once in a while, like you said last week, he likes to make it, you know, a little Hollywood, right? Like to watch a couple <laughs> guys, you know. And then he's like, ah, oh, I guess I'll just break out like, the change. He's just like, all right, guys, I'm going to let them load the bases to give them hope, and then I'm going to strike two dudes out. Yeah. Like, yeah, he, he, no, strike them out first. Don't load yeah. the bases. Six pitches. I was like, oh, hell yeah, that was let's, easy, Yeah, let's dude. go home. All right, sweet. Do that um, every time. <laughs> to your point, and this went on the graphic as well, but Craig Council pushing the right buttons. Yeah. To have Colin Ray go one out into the seventh, uh, to bring in Milner for four outs, Paguero for an out, and then Devin Williams. Like, Devin Williams is always the right answer. But right. Um, pushing the right buttons with the bullpen. Christian Yelich was on base three times, and the Brewers got a win. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, so, we, were... get to, we get to yesterday's game, and despite what we have said on this show a whole bunch of times about baseball being the most zoomed-out regular season, we're, we're just right back to crying. And I'm going to start with Julio Tehran because he was perfect through three innings, but not four, which is unfortunate. Um, but fourth inning gave up a solo home run to Brandon Nimmo, a brewer killer. Yep. That one came off of a cutter, um, a one out solo shot to Lindor came off of a sinker. And then um, the other home run that he gave up came off of a change up. Mm. So, you know, to me, that signaled that he wasn't, you know, just having, you know, problems, but it was that he just didn't have his A game in that game. I'm not mad at it. He's got six starts of fantastic baseball and one bad one. He was literally one of the best pitchers in baseball for those six starts. Yeah. And he has one bad start, and people are like, oh, he's trash. Yep. Trade him while he's worth something. Like, we got to stop doing that. <sighs> we got to normalize letting guys not have their best days every single day. These are the same people that we vote. I don't mean to make it political, but they vote for president, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay. So, William Contreras had a one-out single. Christian Yelich drew a walk. Willie Adamas drew a walk. Bruce of bases loaded with one out. Owen Miller grounded into a double play. I will say this is another another situation where you're in the first inning, so I understand Council not challenging it, but Owen Miller looked safe to me. I think so, too. It looked like he beat the throw, and it looked like Alonzo's foot was off the bag. I think he was safe, too. But Again, first inning is what it is. And he doesn't have the benefit of hindsight, right? Right. Which, 
Okay. <laughs> Out of the fourth inning, Brian Anderson did make a really nice play sliding towards the third baseline, popped and threw up um, for the out. Bottom of the fifth inning, that was uh, Nimmo's second home run. Again, he's got one of the best batting averages against the Brewers. The dude, the dude lives to play against the Brewers. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, the Mets tacked on three more in the seventh, or sorry, the sixth. Um, hit by pitch, double, home run. Um, the double and the home run both came with two outs. Ouch. Brewers get a pair of runs on top of the eighth. William Contreras had a single. Christian Yelich drew a walk. Um, two outs, Roddy Tellez drew a walk. And then Brian Anderson, even though the Brewers were still down five after this pitch, Brian Anderson needed that hit. Fucking A, he did, dude. Uh, just put a ball right down the left field line. If it doesn't bounce off the tarps, that's a probably a three-run double. Um, although it is Roddy Tellez running, so it's probably not. But um, No, no, they might send him in that situation, to be honest with you. Then they might. I don't know. I, I am an advocate for aggressive base running. Force, force I mean, to make a it, Imagine if it was like the old days where you could run the goddamn catcher over, dude. Rowdy Tellez coming at you. <laughs> you ever see a, a refrigerator running full steam at you? <laughs> uh, I don't want to either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like I said, no games are over with the Mets bullpen. Yep. Uh, the Brewers did go one, two, three in the top of the ninth. Tehran just didn't have his best stuff. Uh, the second time through the batting order. Yeah. Peter Strzecki and Bryce Wilson were pretty solid. Two and a third inning scoreless, only two hits, two strikeouts. Brewers left nine guys on base and were one for eight with runners in scoring possession, scoring position. But right. this is what really stood out to me from this game. So there were nine runs scored total in this game between the two teams. Six of them were scored with two outs. Oh, wow. That's, That's two-thirds of the runs scored with two outs. That's insane. Um, you mind if I go over some stuff real quick here? Go Just for it, because then we're going to rant a little before we get into... Yeah, so people are going to have some goddamn perspective. We're not punting, okay? So That's that's where I want to go with my rant. So, yes, please, if you want to get it if you want to get it going, we can get going. Yeah, yeah, please stop. We're not we're not doing that, okay? First of all, I'm going to bring this up real quick, because I'm telling you, I was, I was in a heated debate today. So I looked it up. I was like, all right, let me see this. Bunt percentages for all major league teams. Number one is the Oakland Athletics. They're winning a fuck ton of baseball games, right? Right? Yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. They're number two. They win a fuck lot, fucking lot of games, dude. Literally five of the top ten teams in the top ten of bunting percentage are under 500. <laughs> Dumb. Just fucking knock it off. You know what my favorite thing about that was? Is people are complaining about bunting and not moving runners. Why are you trying to score one run when you're down by five? No, hold on. I got more. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we have a 226 average of runners in scoring position. That is the second worst in baseball. Oakland is the worst. And they have the highest bunt percentage. That doesn't fucking make sense to me. They suck, by the way. Um, so here, here's our on-base percentage, our slugging percentage, and our OPS, along with our rank with runners in scoring position. 304 on-base percentage. That is 25th. It's bad. 370 yeah. slugging, 28th. That is second worst. We have a 647 OPS. That is 27th. We have – we are uh, – 
last in total hits with runners in scoring position in baseball. Last. So when I said that we need better hitters, I like literally meant that. Mm-hmm. So for me, the best lineup in baseball is the Braves. Yep. And when I when I thought that, I was 100% correct. I looked at their their stats. I got their on-base percentage, their slug, and their OPS. Their on-base percentage is 341. They are second to the Rangers at 342. They have the number one slugging percentage with runners in scoring position, 488 compared to 370. That is 11% higher. And their OPS is 829 compared to 674 for the Brewers. They just know how to develop hitters. They have contact guys, and some of those guys are home run hitters. The Brewers could be that with some of these guys in the minors. Right. Why in the living fuck, and I'm sorry for cussing, are we just giving outs when we suck at hitting with runners in scoring position? I literally, this guy was like, so you don't want to bunt the runners to second and third? So, and then there's there's one out, right? There's one out and runners in second and third. I'm like, do you not understand how fucking bad we are at getting hits? We already have a guy in scoring position, right? So if we get a hit in that situation, he's going to score. Right. We're not good at it. So why are we just giving them an out? We're taking another chance away for a team that's yep. not good at it. That's, that the, just, that's the ticket right there. That doesn't make sense to me, dude. Yeah. And I'm glad you're with me on this now. I'm glad you've, I'm glad you've come around to be as strongly dude. passionate against it as I am. Dude, I've been watching you for weeks, and I was just like, I'm just going to dive down the hole and just come. <laughs> we're going to war, baby. And God damn it, people are so hot and dense, and it's so ridiculous, dude. Bunting will fix our problems. It's not. It's not. It's not fixing anything, and it doesn't benefit. And this is the, this is the debate that I got into with it, somebody. How many games have the Brewers lost by one or two runs? You don't know that they're going to lose by one or two runs while the game is being played. They've lost four. They've lost four games by one run. Why do you want to score one run in the third inning of a zero-zero ball game? Your opponent could drop a four spot on you in the next inning, and then you'd be like, "Okay, great. I'm so glad we scored one run and took an opportunity away to score two or three. You know what? We'll just bunt next inning and get another run. Yeah, I'm gonna cut the deficit from four to one to four to two, and then in the bottom of the bottom of the six, we can give up another two runs, and then we'll be down six to two. Yeah, that'll be great. There's there's no scenario in a regular baseball game that makes sense to try to score one run than to try to score multiple runs, and that is why Craig Council does not do it. Does it make sense? And honestly, if that's if that's hard to digest or to understand and that makes you say things like analytics are ruining baseball like you're just i said this last week you're only upset because it doesn't support your narrative i agree with that if the analytics did you'd be all for it yeah that's what i said last week if analytics supported that bunting was a good idea and and it somehow you know provided more runs teams would do it teams don't do it because it doesn't help you score more one guy was like, oh, but it's a staple in high school and college college baseball. I'm like, bro, <laughs> do you understand how long it takes to go from college to the pros? Dude, like, you sound stupid You're right also now. not playing 
where you can have two fast guys who, even if a third baseman plays the ball perfectly, can just beat out balls. And the Brewers right. have a couple guys that have that speed. But I don't want Christian Yelich trying to bunt for hits. I don't yeah. want Joey Weimer trying to bunt for hits. Yeah. I don't I don't even really want Blake Perkins trying to bunt for hits. He's the first person you said on that list that I would actually be like, okay. And it's not going to happen often. Like, Ramal Tapio is a guy who could probably, like, sneak a bunt down the third baseline as a left-handed batter yeah. and beat one out. Yeah. But you really got to catch a guy, like, playing deep at third base and then sprint like all hell. Yeah. Because guys like, in Major League Baseball are not missing that throw like a high school or college player would. No. And the other thing that they're not taking, you know, into consideration is how athletic these players are now. Like, mm -hmm. dude, a pitcher can literally, like, throw a ball 96 miles per hour on the pipe, react with cat-like reflexes to a bunt, and then throw a strike to first base. And then what is that for? You know what I mean? Like, you're just wasting an opportunity at that point. Exactly. I'm just not for it, dude. It's just so stupid. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say about this game? No, but if I have to listen to somebody else talk about fucking bunting, I might go crazy. The other thing with this game that like irritated the hell out of me is people getting mad at Joey Weimer for getting thrown out. Yeah. As you if the... we haven't watched Omar Narvaez throw a bunch of guys out in the last three years. You know the guy I got into an argument with has a radio show in Wisconsin? He has a sports radio show in Wisconsin, dude. So now, on top of clickbait.com, we have to find the radio. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, you want to know something really dumb? And they did put outrageous in the title. Oh, but boy. Bleacher Report suggested the Brewers trade Jacob Mizorowski for Max Scherzer. What? Yes. $43 million a year for this year and next year, Max Scherzer, for our best pitching prospect. No. Absolutely not. Dude, Mizorowski's already thrown 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sign me up for that in like freaking four years. Shit, he keeps going the way he is. I'm assuming two. Shit. <laughs> I'm but okay the other thing that people were getting mad about last night was Joey Weimer getting thrown out trying to steal a base. What What do you want? Do you want to try to score runs? Only if they're bunting. Oh, my God. Like, And the thing is, like, previously it was like, well, they're only swinging for the fences. And now it's, oh, they're only trying to just do this to get thrown out. Like, we're down by runs. Joey Weimer is one of the fastest players on the Brewers. Yep. Being down by five does not change that. No. He's still fast. He is. Being He's behind all... does not make you slower. He's also still 6'4". So, I mean, those are things that are true. Yeah, it sucks making outs on the bases, but it's not like they're only going to try to steal bases when they're ahead. True. You need to try to score runs. So you need to be aggressive where you can. You brought up the Brewers not being great at getting on base. Mm-hmm. When you get a guy on base, you need to be aggressive to try to get him in because you don't have tons of opportunities. Yeah. So you need to try to strike where you do have those opportunities. I agree. All right. So Bruce has two more against the Mets. Now, this is really interesting. This is this is hilarious to me too, by the way, because the Mets are in fucking shambles right now. Like they're their owner just had a press conference today that if the team doesn't start turning it around, they're going to be trading people. And <laughs> the Brewers, if the Brewers take just one out of two from the Mets between tonight and tomorrow, the Mets will not have won a single series in the month of June. 
No. <laughs> yeah. If they do not win the next two against the Brewers, they will not have won a single series in June. Four hundred forty million for that. <laughs> I hate oh. our team owner, Mark Adamasio. He doesn't spend wow. money. As if that guarantees you a damn thing. Wow, dude, that is actually crazy to me. Holy shit. What a mic what a mic drop by you, bud. What a mic drop. Love it. Okay, so two more against the Mets, then they have three at Pittsburgh, and then they yeah. we will be talking about the first two against the Cubs next Wednesday. So we're looking at seven games. I'm gonna say five and two. I'm gonna say they split the last two with the Mets, split the series. Uh, I'm gonna say two out of three from Pittsburgh and both of the first two against Chicago. So I'm gonna say a five and two week for the Brewers. I'm 100 on board with you. We are sweeping the Cubs because I need it in my soul, baby. Sweeping the Cubs in a four-game series, huh? We're sweeping the Cubs, dude. We're gonna, we are going to take one of the two. We're probably gonna lose to Scherzer, so hopefully we'll probably win tonight. Um, I mean, we we rock Scherzer in April. That is true. Um, we play Scherzer on thir- uh, tomorrow night. Uh, who the hell is the starter tonight? I forgot who. Couldn't tell you. Uh, his name is uh, Kodai Senga. Ah, okay. He's got a three-five-two ERA. Yeah, he's all right. He's got Decent. 40, 44 walks. Damn. All right, so we're gonna be patient tonight. We're gonna be taking some pitches. Can promise you that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we, yeah, like you said, we play the Pirates. That's at least two out of three. They're they're on a spiral right mm-hmm. now. And then, uh, yeah, we play the old the old Cubbies. I was gonna call them another name. Uh, the old Cubbies. Um, yeah, dude, three day games in that series, by the way. Hmm. Uh, the first one's a day game, obviously, 4th of July, Tuesday. Right. Um, Wednesday is a Wednesday night game, and then Thursday is a day game. Hmm. And then we play the Red Hot Reds. Yeah, that, which Brewers are currently tied with right now. It's currently Brewers be, and Reds tied. At, so next week's show will obviously be interesting. All of them are right. interesting. Be nice to see what we got. And then... Then next week after that, that's going to be some big boy baseball. Because mm-hmm. now we're gonna we're starting to get into the the middle of July at that point. So yep. big boy baseball, and then we're approaching the trade deadline. Yeah. So that's yeah. where the Brewers are going to decide. Because right now, I'm standing pat. I'm not buying or selling right now. I agree. So hopefully, about two two ish two three weeks from now, we'll have some clarity on that. Yep. All right. You ready to switch to basketball? I am. I'm excited, actually. I'm actually super excited. So we are a little over a week away from NBA Summer League starting, which I'm actually super excited to watch this year. Man, we got some athletes now. And and somewhat of a surprising move. Not super surprising, but they moved up to 36 uh, with uh, with Orlando. Gave them a 20-30 second round pick and $2.5 million. Shit, that's a good deal. I'm going to tell you right now, any reservations that people had about um, Jimmy Haslam getting involved in the ownership group and worrying that it might take away from spending, if you look at what his teams have done, being the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed $230 million contract and spending $2.5 million to get pick number 36, I'm already like completely relieved of any concerns about spending with the new ownership. The pockets are deep. <laughs> and I yeah, and I have no concerns that going into the luxury tax will be a problem. I nope. have no concerns that any of that's gonna be an issue. Dude, imagine like owning the Browns 
and then being like, oh, my God, I have a chance to own a team with one of the best players in its league. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm Who's jumping on go that, too. Who's going 25% of that team? Like, why not? Fuck it, dude. He's going to – dude, just put a team around Giannis, and you'll you'll go deep in the playoffs. Right. Easy. Okay, so the Bucks made two picks and then signed three guys to um, – two guys to two-way deals and then another guy to an Exhibit 10, which is basically like a summer league contract. Mm-hmm. Um to see what uh, to see if he's worth keeping around. So let's start with number thirty six, Andre Jackson Jr. And now when we start with this, I'm going to say this right now because it applies to both of the second round picks. When it comes to drafting players, and this could be true at any single sport, you are drafting skills, not stats. Yep. I don't want to hear this bullshit of this guy only averaged six points in college. I don't care about that. I want to know that this guy is good at this. He's good at this. He's athletic. He plays good defense. Whatever it may be that you're drafting him for, that he has those skills. Yeah. Drafting skills, not stats. What are your thoughts on Andre Jackson Jr.? I mean, you could have literally said that after the Packers drafted LVN. I'm just going to say that. He didn't start in college. I don't give a shit. Dude's nickname is Hercules. What more reason do you need other than that, really? And you see the guy's hands? He's got freaking hammer claws, dude. Those things are massive. I'm going to call him Rocket Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Come on. <laughs> um, all right. Like, he's going to be, like, blitzing offenses and stuff, and he's going to be like, I'm going to wreck it. Like, come on. (laughs) It makes sense, man. That might be a T-shirt idea, too, bro. (laughs) That would be awesome. Um, Anyways, Andre Jackson Jr., when I was watching this tape, I was – the first thing that jumped out to me was his feel for the game. He has great feel for the game. Um, You you talk about his defense. um, He understands where to be. His passing ability, that's feel for the game for me. And then – you know, he had a really big knack for cutting to the middle of the paint and either getting a floater or a jump hook. Or And when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is candidate 1A for dunker area. Giannis is going to get doubled. Give me a give me a 6'6 guy who's got some hops that could finish, finish that shit around the rim, right? And sad to say, but really one of the first things that I thought is this is Pat Connaughton's replacement. I agree with you. Um, if he improves the three-pointer, which – will be a definite. Um, Obviously, we know that we have a new coaching staff, so I don't know what the three-pointer game is going to look like on that Mm -hmm. that spectrum. Um, Obviously, under Coach Bud, it was a let-it-fly kind of deal. Um, But it looks like we're going for more uh, combo guard uh, defensive-minded players, right? So he is that, and he he could definitely be a game-changer on defense. He's got long arms, great feet. And I took down his – well, he I took down his – his per 40 stats, I'm not going to lie, it, it kind of sounds like a like a Walmart Draymond right now, dude. Um, nine points, 9.2 points, 8.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists, 1.5 steals, and 0.7 blocks. Yeah. He's checking all the boxes. Yeah, that's and then on, t- on top of that, he's running the lane because who's the one guy you're scared of in the fast break on the books, right? Always honest. Always Giannis. These first two people that we're going to talk about, the first, the second round picks, they both fill the lane. They both can be dominant in the fast break. Yep. We got more athletic for sure. 
And I oh, love dude. that. I, I seriously, I love this Andre Jackson pick. Yeah. I, I love it so much. It's a fantastic <laughs> pick. And that was one of the reasons the Bucks wanted to try to get into the late first round or early second round like they did was because mm-hmm. this was a deep draft with athletic wings, mm-hmm. which is what they're wanting to target with Adrian Griffin. Yeah. So this was John Horst. I watched his interview after they made the selection. He brought up with Andre Jackson Jr. He has high character. He's a good decision maker, a good defender, has a good demeanor and basketball IQ. His traits translate to winning. And he's a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, I, I love agree all with all of those things. I agree, and I agree with all those things too. After and he brought up with with you mentioning shooting is going to be something that he's going to need to improve on. That's something that John Horace brought up as a teachable trait. 100 percent. You can't teach a guy to be three inches taller. It's hard to make a guy more athletic. That's that's what. John Horst said when he was asked about Andre Jackson Jr. Now, what I noticed with him is he is a fantastic passer, especially in transition. Now, having a guy like this who exceeds at passing this well, and this is why I can't can't wait to watch Summer League, because I can't wait to see him running a fast break with Marjan and then picturing Giannis being on the other side of it. As the trailer, dude. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man, dude. He's going to be throwing off the backboard alley-oops and shit. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> I hope now so. Now listen to this. Andre Jackson had 41 assists in March Madness. Dang it. Just, just wait till I drop this bomb on you. 41 assists in March Madness. That is the most by a UConn player ever. Ever? Wow. Ever. That is. I really wanted you to go ever, ever, but... <laughs> never, never, never. That's just what I thought of. <laughs> Most assists in a single March Madness tournament by a UConn player ever. Wow, that's that's impressive. You're talking about a you're talking about a school where Kemba Walker played point guard. Yeah. This I mean, this, this small forward had more assists in March Madness than Kemba Walker. Wow. All right. Uh, he doesn't give up on plays on either end. He's an incredible athlete. Um, I've seen a lot of complaints that he's not a shooter. One, he's capable, but he plays to pass first. He can shoot. Um, like his jump shot's not, you know, butter smooth or anything like that, but he's he's got the capability. Um, and then two, like I mentioned with uh, John Horst, brought up that it's easier to develop shooting than IQ, athleticism, or growing. Bro, he was finishing with some nasty two-hand jams, man. He threw – I'm trying to get a cut-up of of plays of his that, that stood out to me so I can kind of show why I love this pick so much. But like you brought up, he's a willing cutter. He moves without the ball, something the Bucks needed. That's something that Adrian Griffin actually brought up was that they were going to move without the ball and then move the ball. So ball movement and moving without the ball. Um, Just watching him, like he's a guy that I'd want to run the fast break with. That's that's how I feel. Like he inspires me. To, like I would want to run the fast break with Andre Jackson Jr. He's oh, yeah, such a good passer, and he has the athleticism to finish. Like it's one of those scenarios where you could see Andre Jackson running the fast break with Giannis, passing the ball to Giannis, and you as a defender don't know that Giannis isn't going to pass it back to the six six dude who's going to dunk on you. Well, then on top of it, 
one, to your point that you want to run the fast break with him. Yeah, you run harder for a guy that you think you can get in the ball from. And then two, right. people are going to try to take away Giannis, right? And that's yep. why I brought up the two-hand slams. Now we got a guy that can jump. So now you're fucked if you do, fucked if you don't, right? <laughs> Pick your poison. <laughs> and and then Marjan is going to be a factor in this as well. Yeah, can't wait, dude. We're just going to be full of athletic wings oh, and man. a giant seven-footer who is like a wing. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for us to start running so much fast breaking, forcing turnovers. Oh, we are going to the league up so bad. I know. And the Bucks were, I, I believe I saw that they were 17th in fast break efficiency last season. Oh, that'll be top 10. When you have a guy with, with Giannis on your team, it should be top 10. Easily. Because he's a top three. Right. Okay. Second pick, Chris Livingston. What's it all to you with him? I picked 58. He has a little bit more girth on him, so a little bit more muscle. He has the NBA body already. Yep. Um, he was a number 10 prospect going into college last year, so a guy that you know has been hooping at a high level for a long time. He actually won the MVP of the 2019 FIBA uh, U16 tourney. So he won the MVP there. So there was a lot of top recruits there and he was whooping all their asses. My opinion, this guy's super raw, but he's also an athlete. And I love the one thing that stood out to me. The number one thing that I'm going to love this year is he attacked the offensive boards. Um, he also has some three point ability. Uh, he shot 48% field goal overall, uh, 30% from three, and he shot 72% from free throw. So this is a kid that is 6'6, 220. So you know he has the body to take the banging. He's not afraid to go down there and get some rebounds, and I, I just love it. Of his, he had 142 rebounds last year total, 38 of them offensively. That that's 27% of his rebounds, so almost a third of his rebounds were on the offensive end. Damn. So definitely a guy that people are going to have to watch out for, crashing the boards with Bobby and Giannis. And um, again, he's another guy that can run the bla uh, break the Blake. Um, he doesn't have the passing ability or the feel for that playmaking style, but. He's a guy, you know, you have an Andre Jackson in the middle. You have a, you know, say it's a Chris Livingston on the right and a Giannis on the left. I mean, all three of those guys can finish. So yeah. I'm in love with that aspect of it. And if 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 he can create um, or improve on his three-pointer, say he gets it to 35 36%, I mean, and he can pop a three in transition, and he's still crashing the boards. I mean, he could become a dangerous, dangerous player. And yep. you know that Griffin's going to coach him up on defense. So I'm absolutely not yep. worried about that at all. Yeah. So I'm glad that you mentioned that he's a raw player. He's a developmental prospect type player yeah. because the Bucks added a bunch of guys who specialize in player development. This yep. is I, – I should have said this before we started talking about the draft picks. This is a new coaching staff. This yep. is going to be new philosophies towards draft strategy. Mm -hmm. This is going to be new uh, philosophies towards player development. It's not going to be drafting to fill the need you're going to have in a year or two. You're looking at needs to fill now, next year, the year after, and developing guys who are going to continue to fill needs of, you know, looking at the Miami Heat is a, is a great example of getting guys from these areas in the draft and then making the fucking finals out of it. Out of twice a bunch of guys who were second-round picks or undrafted. Yeah, twice in the last four years, dude. So why are we complaining about what these guys are right now? Uh, casuals. I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, and it's it's another aspect where some patience would be great. Like I said, with having a head coach and at least two assistants who specialize in player development, why are we mad about drafting raw athletes? 
And talking about the the other guys that were in like added, it it all fits. So Chris Livingston, he's athletic, has a good defensive motor. He's 6'6, 220. And I was reading a sporting news report who believed that if he had stayed one more year at Kentucky, he would be a first round pick next year. Yeah, I saw that too. A lot of people said that he came out too early, but he also uh, cut off his workouts because he got a promise from a unanimous team that they they were going to take him. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks, Bucks. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a team that's got a, a handful of free agent wings that they you know may look to go younger and more athletic with. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, you know, since you were talking about the new coaching staff, something popped in my head, and um, I feel as excited about the Bucks' new coaching staff, you know, in forms of player development and new scheme that I do about the Wisconsin Badgers football team. I like that. I, I'm excited for the new look Badgers, the the high flying Badgers. Yeah. I'm excited for the Bucks to put pressure on the ball and get out and run and, you know, continue to dominate inside, which is what people have been f- crying about for years. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for both of those things. Can I be honest with you real quick? What's that? I think Marjan Bochamp's going to play 25 plus minutes a game this year. 25. Oh, damn. The fact that the Bucks were unwilling to include Marjan in a deal for Bradley Beal tells me that Adrian Griffin has huge plans for Marjan Bochamp. Oh. Well. I really believe he's going to be a major factor this season. Well, they were working out together in Greece with Giannis. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see that. Okay, so let's that. talk about three guys who were brought in um, – Drew Timmy wasn't brought in on a two-way deal. He's on an exhibit 10. But Amari Moore and Jay-Z and Gortman were both brought in on two-way deals. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those three. I have a couple things written down. I mean, they're just – I don't have much. I just said that they're fringe roster guys, basically. Right. I mean, you're looking um, at guys – I'm excited to watch them just play in Summer League, really. Yeah. Yeah, Summer League is going to be the the tell-all with these guys if they got it or not. And maybe we, we get some, some underdog story. In Vegas, and maybe it's on the Bucks. I mean, we're gonna definitely need more ball handlers. With, uh, I mean, uh, we both think Middleton's gonna be back, uh, but uh, Javon Carter. Javon Carter. Yeah, sorry, I could not think of his damn name. I could see his face. <laughs> I could not think of his name. Yeah, but Javon Carter opting out and trying to get paid, which I don't blame him for. Go get money, right. man. He's definitely worth more than what he was making last year. Yep, and the dude played eighty-one games. Yeah, so. He'll, uh, he'll definitely get paid by somebody, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, Amari Moore, he's another another athletic wing. Yep. He's six foot five. Um, the athletic uh, Sam Vicenni, he, does a, he did a really big draft um, guide for the NBA draft this year. Uh, he had Amari Moore as his number 44 prospect. Really? Really, really. Wow. Um, he's quick twitch moves. He's a good shooter. He made the 11th most pull-up jumpers in college basketball last year. Oh my God! I bring up freaking, I bring up Carter, and then this guy's a pull-up jumper. <laughs> you bring up a guy who's a good pull-up shooter. All right, got to work. Um, Drew Timmy. I mean, we both have a pretty similar outlook on him. He's a, he's a power forward guy. He's not going to wow you with his his athleticism, but he's a, he's a baller, and that's pretty much all you're looking at. I mean, he's literally Tyler Hansbrough with a mustache, dude. I was gonna, I was gonna say you're hoping that he could be like great value, Kevin Love. Huh? If he turns into, yeah, 
I see that. Looks like him a little bit. Not good on defense. He could be a could potentially be like a underrated star on offense. I could see that. I'm not gonna lie, that was good. I'm with it. Smarter than I look. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jay Z and Gortman. He's a six foot two point guard. Can you guess what he is? Athletic guard. He's athletic. Yeah. Uh, he's shifty. He averaged two and a half steals per game. Ooh. Uh, he's only 20 years old. He has good hands. Uh, what I saw for – this is just the one draft comparison that I saw for him. Um, his ceiling comparison was Dennis Smith Jr. I don't hate Dennis Smith off the bench. I won't lie. I don't either. I like him. Like He's not a fantastic player or anything, but like he's, he's – He has good... value as a bench player, as a yeah, backup he's guard. super athletic, and when he dunks, you, like the whole stadium feels it because it's awesome to see a guy who's you know, shorter dunking the yeah. ball. Yeah, I'm with that. And yeah, you nailed it. He's athletic. Makes that's, sense. That's what the Bucks are doing. The Bucks are going less finesse, more run and jump. Yeah, makes sense to me. I'm with it. And it's unfortunate because I like the guys, but I don't think Wesley Matthews and Joe Ingles are going to be back. I don't think so. Either. I'd be okay with it, but I just I just don't see the fit with the new coaching staff. If I'm being no, honest, me either. Wesley Matthews, maybe, but Joe Ingles, probably not. No. And they're both, honestly, they're both candidates to retire. I mean, Joe Ingles is 35, Wesley Matthews is 36. So they're both, you know, potential guys that could retire. And yeah. Pat Connaughton is 31, I believe. So, yeah. You know, it's not I mean, like the sun is setting on Pat Connaughton, but. Right. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, with all these Supermax deals and uh, the new CBA that's going to be coming out, a lot of. A lot of money stuff that's coming out with that, with mid-level exceptions and stuff. So uh, these second-round picks are going to become more and more valuable. Yep. If you and can get longer extensions on them now. Yeah. So the Miami Heat were just ahead of their time, and it's a copycat league, just like every other league. NFL, MLB, it's a copycat league. Yep. A lot of people are going to be trying to go with that same blueprint. It's just we have a seven-foot superstar. Yeah. And like like we've said a handful of times already, new coaching staff, so new philosophies. Um, and new thought processes and strategies. Yep. All right. You got anything else you want to say? We're not fucking bunting. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> done. <laughs> the last thing I'll say is <laughs> NBA free agency opens on Friday. So Jake and I are going to look into some candidates yep. and uh, probably put out some real content on some free agents that we're looking at. So make sure to check that out. Uh, if you can't watch the shows live, you can catch them on the podcasting apps. You can watch them on YouTube. Um, and then Jake and I will be back on Friday night mm-hmm. to do some bonus episode content, some drafting of some of some jersey numbers, and then we'll be back next Wednesday. And then also we will see you guys live July eighth, right? We're gonna see all y'all in person. Yeah, you're gonna bring your friends out. We have a lot of cool stuff planned, some games planned, uh, some giveaways. So come and see us. Come like, out. No day is just legit, like a good time. Like you haven't yeah. been there before, but it's fun. Yeah, man, like, come hang out with us. Take some photos. Uh, lots of vendors. Lots of vendors. It's a super, like, in huge, like, it's literally the entire street. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm jacked. It'll be my first time being there, but I've obviously seen photos and heard of it. So, yeah, um, yeah come hang out with us, man. I'm super excited about that. All righty. I will see you Friday night then. Yes, sir.